Isn't it fun knowing that you have some space in your brain reserved for commercial jingles? Some space. It's the, all of the space. It's just <laughs> 80% references. 80% of space. <laughs> just pop culture references. Yeah. That's true. You are a treasure trove of pop culture references. Mm-hmm. Pop culture references and design patterns. That's the, that's the majority <laughs> of my brain. Welcome to episode 309 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Black. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast to listen to at <laughs> Faster Than 1X. For sure your favorite, though. Yeah. There's a qualifier. I qualified. <laughs> <You know. laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. F- your favorite that you listen to more than 1X. It's also about design that's also hosted by us. Yes. Among those, we must be the favorite. The best. The yeah. favorite. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's a big episode, Marshall. Yeah, lots to talk about. Well, that too, but it's also your one-year anniversary. Oh, sure. Yeah, that too. I wanted to uh, get like a little bit of a retro on your first year hosting a podcast. How's it been? Well, you did this a while back, but hosting design details. How's the first year been? It's been good. It's been good. It's flown by. It's flown by. I haven't uh, really thought about it a whole lot. And when you said it's been a year, it's like, I guess so. Yeah, it's August, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, the fact that you haven't thought about it too much, just it feels like every week is sort of a natural flow. Like I enjoy doing this and like especially today we just chatted for like two hours before we (laughs) recorded this but yeah i wrote down in our notes for this episode i'm like is is there anything that you wanted to call out as like things that have gone particularly well or things that you'd be interested in changing for the next year (sighs) i wish i would have known and thought ahead of time (laughs) springing this on you on the spot well this is this is kind of how i operate anyways when it it comes to this podcast is i just kind of wing it and Mm -hmm. Hope that the things I remember and presume to know are accurate. So you don't want to change anything? Well, I mean, I did change everything, right? When I joined, like I I did change a lot. I think we've kind of settled into a a listener question heavy pattern, which I'm totally cool with. It gives us good things to talk about every week. And we're also like interacting with the people who listen to the show. So it's a good thing. I don't know. I, I don't think I would change anything like... Maybe we should um, make Drew's job a little bit easier and not be so bad at <laughs> recording a podcast. But aside from that, I think I'm pretty happy with how things are going. Like I, I was saying right before we started the show, like as I hovered my mouse over the the record button, I got this strange like pang of butterflies that I never get, and I realized like, oh, I never get I never get nervous. For this show in the same way that I get nervous before like a public speaking event or something like that. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like this is arguably the largest public speaking thing you'll ever do and you do it every week. Yeah. The biggest audience I've, <laughs> I ever have is here and I, and I get the least nervous. Yeah. It's probably because it's just me and you and I'm sitting in a comfortable space that I am familiar with, you know. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the listeners are kind of abstract, right? That's like an abstract concept. I don't, they're, they're not entirely they're not present for this and it's it's just kind of like oh yeah um i I guess in theory people will hear this eventually but right now i'm just talking to my buddy yeah yeah it's a little bit different doing this behind a microphone and a computer screen versus being in person and seeing people's eyeballs and 
like reading the room to know if you're actually saying something smart or dumb or funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I only know if I'm fucking up if you don't laugh, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're my only audience. Yeah, yeah. But I think one of the cool things is being able to put names and faces on some of those listeners, the people who write in and ask us questions and give us feedback and stuff. Like it's it's cool to see some of the n- same names pop up repeatedly and like, oh, this is an engaged listener, right? <laughs> yeah, I feel like it makes us sound so fucking like, like growthy or like metrics driven, which I, I really don't think no. we're that driven. But yeah, it is. It's cool seeing people reply and ask questions and tweet at us. Like that's just fun for any human being to like be responded to. So particularly so when that happens with like the same set of folks and like, so oh, these are our friends that are listening to the show. Yeah. And it, like I said, it makes them less theoretical, more, more real when people actually write in and I go, oh yeah, I, I recognize that name or, oh, I haven't seen this person before. That's cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, so on that note, I was going to say maybe one goal we could set for the next year is try and record something in person with real human beings in the same room i will get nervous for that for sure oh oh, oh, i'll get nervous (laughs) as well but maybe that would be a like a good stretch goal for 2019 2020 what do you think yeah i'm down (laughs) stretch goal all right cool we kickstart this podcast one of these days yeah yeah let's do it all right cool well happy one year anniversary marshall thanks buddy also just a side note i pulled the numbers and 1,064,000 downloads in the last 52 episodes yeah yeah Put that on my yeah. perf. <laughs> Put that on my perf. <laughs> uh, okay, great. Well, let's move on. All right, well, we have a lot to cover in this episode, but I really quickly wanted to do a bit of follow-up. So last week, we talked about the launch of Figma plugins, and this week, I built a Figma plugin, Marshall. Whoa, fast turnaround. Fast turnaround. It was very fun to explore. So I'll, I'll just give quick thoughts. So the plugin that I built was just a way to populate frames in Figma with real data from the GitHub API because I'm making lots of mocks with lists of things like repos and people and organizations. It's like, all right, I'm tired of having this folder of avatars on my computer and like typing names of people and remembering their usernames and stuff. It's just mm-hmm. tedious and annoying. So I wanted to automate that. And so I did. This is basically sketch data, right? Yeah, yeah. So these are early days still for the plugin ecosystem. It still feels a little bit hacky to be doing this to get real data into a component. I'm not sure what the right abstraction is. Like building this as a first party feature would probably be a nightmare for a company like Figma because they just have to support a billion edge cases. But also as an individual developer, I feel like it's a really hacky solution to be doing something so specific for GitHub. Like there's no general principles of like, here's how to fetch data and apply it to layers within a frame. Got it. Like so, So the way that I did it is... I created like a layer naming syntax, which I think it turns out some other people have discovered to do this as well. Someone made a a plugin where you can connect a Google Sheet to your Figma file. Mm-hmm. I think we mentioned it last episode, Google Sheets Sync. Yeah. yeah, Google Sheets Sync. And so the way that works as well is you name your layer a specific way that says what sort of field it should consume. So my pattern is a dollar sign in the layer name of a component of a component name says this thing should fetch data. And a double underscore in front of a layer name says this should consume data from the nearest parent that fetch data. And so that feels a little bit hacky, but it's also kind of cool that it works and that you can fetch different data by just renaming a layer. I I think that's actually pretty cool. That's great. 
So anyways, Figma plugins, here's what I'll say at a high level is they're really approachable. I got some help from Rasmus. I ran into a, f- a couple bugs or issues on my end and, and he helped me work through those. But for the most part, you're just writing JavaScript, which is a fairly approachable language. And the API is also pretty approachable. They've written everything in TypeScript. So mm. it's pretty easy to be type safe or like there's type aheads for here's the properties that exist on this thing. So if you're working with a layer, it'll type ahead all the properties of that layer. So you don't really have to memorize that much. So those things are, are pretty good. I'm I'm happy overall. Yeah, eager to see how this system will mature over the next year. But I guess it all starts. Got to start somewhere. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Thanks, Marshall. <laughs> okay, so that's it for follow-up. This week, Marshall and I spent a few hours at this point preparing some notes on what it means to progress as a product designer in your career. And I think this is a topic that's come up a few times on the show, like generally around career planning or maybe even specific levels, but I don't think we ever really captured like themes or questions you could be asking yourself to identify growth to think about how to get to that next level as a product designer. So we're not even really going to talk about titles. It's more just like themes of things that that you should be thinking of getting better at or, or working to improve. And each of these themes will be evaluated at every level as you progress. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe Marshall, to kick things off, do you want to just call out the themes and then we can go through each theme and talk about maybe some specifics of that that, that would indicate growth or, or yeah, like challenges within that theme. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I think we've used our, our experience at both small and large companies plus resources that are available online to kind of generalize this. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts are our own. <laughs> yeah. Thoughts are our own. But the, the themes that have kind of coalesced are difficulty, impact, leadership, and community. And uh, all the all the little sub things fit into those kind of buckets. Yeah. All right. So let's start with the first bucket, difficulty. So what does it mean to progress as a designer in terms of difficulty? Yeah, I think probably the first thing to think about there is is complexity, right? So usually this is a big driver of, of difficulty, and they sound like they're the same thing, but I would define complexity as um, how knowable a solution is, right? Mm-hmm. So if, and that leads to, to how hard it is to solve that problem, right? So if, if a problem is a brand new novel thing, you might have to do a lot of work to, to figure out how exactly to solve that. That'd be a very complex problem. But if it's like, how do we let somebody change their profile name? Well, that's probably going to be a text field and a form and you know, it's, it's a knowable solution, right? Yeah, like maybe an unknowable one or at least unknowable to me at this point. And it's like, how would you navigate in virtual reality? Or like, how should you interact with objects in augmented reality? Like things that haven't been figured out yet, that is an, a complex problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not just like how many parts are to it or whatever. It's like, yeah, how, how knowable is the solution? Okay. And then an- another aspect of that I would say is is how much guidance you require in order to in order to achieve <laughs> that that goal. Mm-hmm. So having to be told everything is is uh, one end of that spectrum and then proactively doing these things on your own is at the other end of the spectrum. Another part of difficulty is the scope at which you're operating. So I think the examples that we called out earlier like are you working on a feature or a part of a feature like a form or you know, a piece of a thing, or are you working on a broader thing or a collection of things? So 
feature or product or group of products, like what scope are you operating within? That also contributes to the difficulty of achieving that task because it requires working with different kinds of people, perhaps introduces resource constraints, regulatory constraints, organizational constraints. The broader the scope, the harder it is to actually implement change. Mm -hmm. And the bigger the roadblocks, the same. Yeah. Yeah. So that's difficulty. Next one is impact. All right. So for impact, this is a little bit challenging because impact could be measured in so many ways. Yeah. And it's probably relevant to different designers and different companies in different ways. So Marshall and I just thought of a few different ways you could think about impact. The first one that we came up with is product and project success. This is possibly the the most obvious one, but it's, Mm -hmm. is your work contributing to the success of the thing that you're working on? So did you build a feature that gets used? Did you solve the underlying problem? Mm-hmm. that would be qualified as impact yeah. at the product and project level. <laughs> Pretty straightforward. Straightforward, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that could be measured in like financial or like your business metrics. Yeah, so th- those that ties into the financial and business metrics. But then there might even be problems that you're working on that aren't exactly financial or they might not necessarily be about usage. So for example, sentiment and brand value are are the problems that you're working on having a positive impact on sentiment and brand for your organization or, or the product or feature that might not necessarily be measured in usage, but measured in are people favorable towards this thing? Yeah, user sentiment, yeah, the mind share or also potentially the success of goals. <laughs> uh, like if you're tracking user journeys and those users are, are dropping out of the funnel less frequently, like that's a a pretty big improvement. Yeah. There's also the whole aspect of, of product quality and your design systems. So like, are you improving the quality of the product? Are you making sure that bad things don't make their way in? Are you making sure that good things do? And are you ensuring that all of this aligns with the system that's in place? Or are you actually affecting the system that's in place in a, in a positive way? Yeah, to tag along to product quality is also the process by which you build products. So another way to have impact is not even necessarily on a product itself, but on the process by which products get built and shaping the way that people within your company or or team can collaborate. Mm -hmm. Impact doesn't have to be external. It can be internal as well. Yeah, exactly. Are are you making it easier for future products to be built or for future things to be known or unknown? Are you making it easier or harder to measure future ideas? Uh, All those things would qualify as impact that might not necessarily be financial. Cool. So that's impact. Let's move on to leadership. So the first one here this is pretty straightforward. We try to start with easy ones is mentorship or, or I guess being a manager, you know, well, those are different things. Being a mentor and being a manager, I feel like are pretty different. Uh, They should be the same. (laughs) They're overlapping Venn diagrams. You can be a mentor without being a manager. Are we disagreeing, Brian? This never happens. Wait, you think a manager and a mentor are the same thing? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. (laughs) But yeah, mentorship, your ability to, to help someone and guide them along through, through a situation that Maybe you have been through, but they have not. And leadership also includes your ability to identify both opportunities, so things that you should be doing that you aren't doing, right? And identifying pitfalls, so stopping yourself or stopping the team from doing something that you can identify as going to be a bad thing before you actually do it. And part of doing that is having great communication skills. And I think part of being a good leader is being a good communicator. And as you progress as a designer in your career, you will have increasingly harder things to communicate with a broader set of people. So your ability to do that 
will probably be correlated with the level that you're operating at. So communication skills, uh, we've put under leadership for that reason. Mm -hmm. Not yet, like knowing your audience, but also this includes diplomacy and tact and, you know, being able to navigate the political realm, as it were. We've also decided that maintaining a product quality bar fits under leadership. Uh, We also talked about product quality in the impact theme. But in this case, I think maintaining or identifying a product quality bar is a trait of a leader versus executing against that quality bar could be more about individual impact. So in this case, under leadership for maintaining and and defining a product quality bar, being able to do that at an increasingly larger scope, at a higher level, for more people, for more platforms and operating systems and products, all that requires being a, a leader who people look up to, to define what quality means in this situation, and being somebody that people trust when you identify things that might be about to ship that don't meet that bar and people trust you to stop the process until that bar is met. Yeah, and and that trust and that leadership really is a huge benefit to having uh, diversity and inclusion, which we would also bucket under leadership, like your ability to uh, build a strong team regardless of the properties of the people on that team. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yes, props. The attributes. (laughs) Yeah. So our last theme is community. And then one of the first things we have under that list is is altruism, which if you're not a dictionary, (laughs) means your willingness to do something for others, even if it doesn't benefit yourself. So this is like non-reciprocal contributions is probably a better way of saying that than more words, more meaning. So yeah, yeah, non-reciprocal contributions. So you're helping another team, even if it's not going to help the projects that you're working on, this is like the, you know, the 20% thing that you hear about. Yeah. I think part of this also is like identifying when there are problems within an organization that might not necessarily be your responsibility to solve, but you solve them anyways. Mm -hmm. Whether or not that makes your life better individually is irrelevant. Just the fact that you've gone out of your way to, to make someone else's life better within your team, org, even probably broader, like within the industry? Like, are you contributing back to a healthy and productive design community? Yeah, for example, I, I put design details on my perf under the community section. Put it on your perf. Yeah, <laughs> put it on the perf. Yeah. I, I guess it's debatable whether this is actually helping the community or not, but I'm going to say it does. Yeah, yeah, we'll go out on a limb here. So, well, part of that as well is, like, are you able to elevate the culture of a group of people, wherever they're working, regardless of the stage of the company that you're in or or the size of that group, is your involvement in it leading to a better culture overall? So are you bringing toxicity or positivity, optimism or pessimism? Like, what is your contribution to the way that people feel uh, within that community? And that, again, can apply both inside of a company and outside. Yep. And, and assuming that community is already in, in good shape, it's also about maintaining it, right? Not necessarily, well, also improving it, but also maintaining it, not, not letting it go down. Right? Are you being a good actor in the system? <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and that, that includes hiring, right? Are you, are you contributing to the improvement of the workforce at your company? Are you hiring people that are going to be a benefit or are you hiring to make yourself look good, right? Yeah. Is the culture actively being improved by the people that you choose to hire? What was the Steve Jobs quote? Like, A players hire A players, B players hire C players? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Is that the first Steve Jobs quote that we've had in the show? <laughs> no, I have to have quoted Steve Jobs. Before. I don't know, man. I think that might have been it. Uh, that's that's one of his more memorable quotes yeah, for it's sure. A good one. Bicycle the mind, and then A players. <laughs> Okay, so those were our four themes, difficulty, impact, leadership, and community. And so there's a lot of subpoints in there, and we're thinking, what are questions that people should be asking themselves as they're evaluating their own level or you know, deciding whether they're ready for the next level? Yeah, there's a spectrum of contribution to each of these aspects, right? So by asking these questions, you can hopefully determine where you are on that spectrum. So we came up with three questions that we felt that by asking, you would be able to identify sort of where you fit in your career progression, and it might help identify way, like what you need to be thinking about to move up to the next level. Yeah, this applies to every single one of the themes we mentioned, all the, all the kind of sub-objects of those themes. But yeah, you can, you can ask these questions of each thing and determine where on the spectrum of influence you find yourself. So the first question we came up with is, at what range are you having impact? Are you having impact on yourself, your team, your product, your organization, the company, or even the entire industry. And that range will probably be quite indicative of what level you're at. Mm -hmm. And then to move up to that next level, you need to be thinking about the next range. So if you're having a lot of impact uh, on your team, how do you escalate that to having product uh, on the entire product or product uh, group? Yeah, there's a the common phrase is, you know, dress for the job you want, but... Um, that doesn't really work here. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's like, do the job you want to have, Yeah. right? Yeah. Like, if, if you want to be one level up, like, start doing the job of a person who's one level up, and then eventually you'll be recognized for having done that job. But you can't just be like, okay, I'm ready for it, give me the promotion, then I'll do this stuff, right? Yeah. It's always overlapping. Like you'll always be operating at the next level before you get promoted to the next level. Or at least that's what I found. That seems like a common path. You will not be recognized for your work immediately. You need to show sustained improvement before it's it's acknowledged as like actual improvement. Yeah, yeah. Just doing one thing of like, hey, you told me to be a leader. So I did one leadership thing one time a few months ago. <laughs> Success. Put it on the perf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sustain, sustained is, is the yeah. big thing. Well, this ties in perfectly with our second question, which is, are you being reactive or proactive? And I think this is exactly, you know, what we just talked about. Like, are you seeking to to solve that next problem? Are you constantly thinking about how to have a broader impact or work on more complex problems? Or are you just reacting to what people tell you to do? Are you just reacting to your manager saying, this is the problem of the month? Or your PM saying, this is how we're going to do it. If you're being reactive, I think that's an indicator of, being a little bit more on the junior side, which is totally fine. Like absorbing all that knowledge and building up your own playbook by being reactive is great. And eventually you can graduate into being more proactive about problem solving and leadership and recruiting and mentorship and all these kinds of things. Yep. Our final question is also a little bit, these are all interrelated, but the third one is, are you seeking or are you being sought? And again, this applies for each of our four themes of difficulty, impact, leadership, and community. So do people come to you asking what problem should be solved? Or are you just looking for other problems that people have already come up with to solve? Yeah, like, are you a stakeholder? Like, are you an owner of a thing? And are, or are you an expert at a thing? And are people seeking you out? Or do you need to find experts at a thing? Right? Yeah, yeah. And this may not be universally true of all all things to be an expert about. But like, do you have something that you own that others come to you about? Right? 
if if that's true and and the number of those things that that's true about will indicate your your level basically yep like does everybody seek you out for help on motion and animation and time i need an icon i'm gonna go talk to marshall exactly yeah yeah i need visual help i'm gonna go talk to this person i need ia help i'm gonna go talk to this person like are you that person or are you seeking that person yep how many things are you that person of yeah yeah and you know as you grow it will be increasingly more and more it will be expected too Okay, so I also tweeted out before we started recording this episode asking for other people's thoughts on specifically how they distinguish between designers at different levels. So, for example, product designer, senior, staff, principal, and got some great replies from people, including a lot of links that we'll have in the show notes. So definitely check out the show notes if you want to learn more about what other people are saying about this. Yeah, great response. I'm really impressed with everyone's uh, chiming in on this. Really cool. Yeah, tons of tweets, actually. It was great. So I'll, I'll read out a couple that I thought were particularly helpful and then call out a couple of the resources that I thought were particularly helpful. So the first tweet comes from friend of the pod and also... Guest number five of Design Details, Gabriel Valdivia. Hey, hi, Gabe. So Gabe says he's heard this expressed as follows. If you're junior, you are the legs. You just show up and get the job done. Mid-level, you're the arms. You're pushing pixels and executing to get the job done. And if you're senior, you're the head. You're asking the why questions and defining direction. Not a perfect analogy, but may help to set expectations in some contexts. Yeah. I love this. (laughs) And yeah, as you work your way up the body, you also work your way up in the seniority stack Mm -hmm. until you are the brain. Yeah. And as as you leave one function or as you go from one area to the next, you kind of leave the function of the previous area behind. Like when you're doing head stuff, you're not doing so much legs and arm stuff. Yeah, exactly. Jessica Harley from Etsy, also a guest on Design Details, Uh, says one helpful generalization to think about is the amount of influence the person has in their role. Senior influences the product team, staff influences the design org, principal influences the company. So pretty much mirroring our like uh, range point. Yeah, range of influence. Range of influence, yeah. yeah. Another tweet that was great came from Eric Windmill. Eric says, I'm an engineer, so I hope this applies. The better the title the more I expect the individual to be humble and open to being wrong. But I also expect the individual to be honest when they know they're right and can provide a learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So good. Like the more senior you are, it's also likely the more often you'll be wrong. And like you need to be able to own that. And and the reason you're more likely to be wrong is because you're going to be working on more complex, more ambiguous problems with less obvious solutions. Mm Mm-hmm. But also the more helpful you can be when you know you're right, right? There's going to be some things where you're like, I've been through this before. I know how this turns out. This is the way to do it, right? But also be willing to say, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Let's figure it out. I wanted to just call out another tweet that came from Christy Tillman, also guest on on Design Details. And Christy linked to an article on a website called thekitchensoap.com. And the title of that article is On Being a Senior Engineer. And the key insight here is basically framing seniority as maturity. And the article goes through explaining how it's really a a lot of elements of maturity that indicate seniority. And this article was written from the perspective of engineering, but I think applies equally well to designers. Cool. So we'll have a link to that article from Christy in the show notes. We also just got a bunch of other resources from companies. So 
Ali from Wayno sent an article on the Wayno blog called What's the Difference Between a Designer, a Senior Designer, a Design Lead, and a Creative Director? So I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, and then someone sent in a link to a website called progression.fyi. And this is actually maybe a great place to just start overall, but this is a collection of companies who have published some sort of article or framework for their design career progression. So you can see examples from companies like ClearLeft and Envoy and Fog Creek, Medium, Patreon, and a bunch of others that all talk about their career progression sort of rubric. Everybody does it a little bit different, but yeah, we we tried to distill all of this information down into you know a somewhat digestible bit earlier. So, but if you want to get more specific in each of these companies and how everyone does it differently. These are some really great resources. Definitely. And and I'll just call out the last few, again, all these links in the show notes, but we got a link from the Zendesk team to a blog post called Career Architectures for Design Teams. And then there's a bunch of people who replied with tweets that they've tweeted in the past talking about this specific topic. So there's lots of threads to sort of dive into the rabbit hole with. But yeah, thanks everyone for replying. And hopefully this is plenty of extracurricular research to do after the pod <laughs> that's a reading material you got homework yeah. lots of homework <laughs> but thanks for yeah thanks for the participation crew y'all are killing this it. was useful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay cool so we've gone through the themes uh some questions you can ask yourself we got some listener contributions via twitter and finally we'll have some links to a couple of resources in the show notes it's actually surprising how how few resources there are around levels for product designers, but BuzzFeed and Basecamp have both put out really great resources on GitHub, actually. They're open source, I think, mm-hmm. and defining some of the expectations that they have. And, you know, we use these as well for inspiration as Marsh and I were gathering our notes. So we'll have links to BuzzFeed and Basecamp's level notes in the show notes. Sweet. All right. That's it. We probably missed some stuff. This is a broad topic, incredibly complex. So let us know what we missed. If if you feel like our themes were not quite right or you have better questions to ask yourself as you are progressing in your career as a product designer, tweet at us. We're at Design Details FM and we'll pend any new information to next week's episode. Yeah, where are you? How do you fall? Do these questions let you determine where you are in that spectrum? Let us know. Let us know. Tell us your thoughts. All right, Brian, let's do some uh, cool things. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I'll start this week. So this week I want to share the intertypeface. Uh, this is a typeface made by Rasmus. I, I, I'm kind of on a Figma kick. Yeah, you are. You're on that Rasmus. <laughs> Rasmus. <laughs> He's been helping me this week, but uh, he also had a great interview also on the Figma blog. But he was talking about how Rasmus created this typeface called Inter, which is a typeface designed for user interfaces. And it's fantastic. It's what Figma uses. Um, more and more companies and products are using it. And the most buck wild thing to me is this is Rasmus's side project. Like this is a <laughs> nights and weekends project and it's literally thousands of glyphs and all these different weights and like language or character sets like Latin and Cyrillic and all this stuff. This is just a ridiculously massive project. And uh, as far as I know, it's just Rasmus. So I'm sharing that typeface because it's great. People should check it out. It's also open source. You can contribute to it or fork it and make your own changes to it. And uh, we'll have a link to Rasmus's interview on the Figma blog that talks about how and why he started working on this 
and some of the philosophies behind the typeface, which are driven by math, which is pretty cool. So that appeals to me. Yeah, it's, it's a great, great interview. I enjoyed reading it and hope you will too. So that's my cool thing. Love it. I've expressed my shortcomings when it comes to uh, typography before, but this is all very fascinating to me. I, I could probably learn some stuff by reading through this. Yeah. Good share. Good, cool thing, Brian. All right, what's mine? So a few months ago, I went to New York City to see you, my friend. Uh-huh. Well, not just to see you, but uh, that was but one of the things we did. Yeah, mo- mostly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, let's be honest. Okay. And I met up with my buddy who used to work on my team at YouTube, an iOS engineer friend of mine. And uh, we got coffee, and I asked what he was up to. He's like, oh, I'm working on this little app. And he proceeded to show me this amazing, it's like a, it's a money budgeting tool, kind of like Mint, if you ever used Mint. Uh-huh. And it's called Copilot. It's copilot.money is his URL. It's the domain. And I think it's just him, maybe him and a couple other people, but he did all of the design himself. And he's an engineer. I don't, I don't think he would ever call himself a designer, but he's one of the best designers who is an engineer that I know. This app is really well made. I helped him with some stuff and gave him some feedback and he incorporated a lot of it. And I, and I think the app is just really usable. It also has a really nice hook. So, you know, what's sticky about it? Like, why would you use this? Cause most of these things like with mint, I kind of set it up and then forgot about it. I don't yep. know how you feel about these things. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I have a very hard time using budgeting apps. Yeah. So one of the things that makes it sticky for me is that it has a review transactions flow where uh, when a new transaction comes in, you're asked to categorize it. And when you categorize it, it goes into one of your budgets. A, a category is a budget, basically. And so you can you can keep track of every time you spend money, where is it going to? And have you gone over your budget for that particular bucket of things, right? And going through and choosing the, you choose an emoji and a color for every one of your budgets. So going through and doing that and setting it up is really fun. But once you have everything set up, like going through and choosing which category your transactions fall into is really fun. And it also, it's, it's really smart about figuring out which one it should probably be anyways. So it's mostly a review thing, but every once in a while, you'll have a weird transaction that isn't categorizable. So you can go through and do triage with that. So that's that's kind of the thing that's sticky for me. But the, the thing that's so valuable for it and what, what makes it different than other solutions in this realm is the recurring budgets section. I haven't seen any other apps that do this. So Basically, you can set up recurring transactions like your Hulu or Netflix or Spotify or whatever, those $10 things that chip away at your wallet every every month. You can, you can set those up as recurring things that will be added automatically to your budget and taken away from your available spend, even if they haven't been taken out yet. Yep. So like it's money that you already don't have, even if it hasn't been taken out yet. So you can get a really good idea of not only how much money have I budgeted out, but how much money has already gone before I spend a cent, right? Yep. And then how much money might I have left at the end of the month after all this? Am I saving? Am I losing? And then you can see like the the primary view of the app is a chart that basically gives you a burn rate. So there's a, a line from the bottom left to the top right of the chart showing like the the linear burn that you should be going through if you're staying on budget. Uh, and then it gives you a colored line that turns red if it goes above the burn rate, uh, the average burn rate, or green if it goes below. Uh, so you can really see where you're at in the month at the at the current moment. Yeah, it's a lot of color in here, and it's used pretty well. Um, so I, I grabbed Copilot as well after you recommended it, and I was on the 
the test flight and it, it is a really impressive app like basically there's four surfaces on it and each surface seems like it could be its own app that would be individually useful mm-hmm. yeah. so tied together it's all really great yep and and he makes really good decisions about where the default should be for each of these kind of areas like so it's like dashboard transactions budgets recurring and your accounts and it pushes the the less the, those are kind of a horizontal tab bar at the top that you can swipe through and it pushes the least commonly accessed yeah 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 there you go least commonly accessed areas of the app off to the far edges so like your accounts you don't touch that very much you're recurring you set that up once and don't really touch it very much and dead center is your dashboard off to the right is that is uh, your budgets and off to the left is your transactions so you're always like one pivot away or no pivots away from the stuff you want to do and the dashboard pulls everything together into one thing it'll let you know if a recurring hasn't been charged yet if it's overdue or if it's late and it'll let you know which ones have been added which ones are coming up in the next couple of days it's so good. I love it so much. And I'm so proud of my buddy. Uh, his name's Andres Ugarte. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but I just call him Andres. But uh, actually, I think it's Andres is the there you go. Uh, butchered pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, get a little roll in there, bud. Yeah, yeah, it's Andres. <laughs> I asked him one time, I was like, I'm not going to be able to recreate that every time. <laughs> But yeah, he's great. I'm so proud of him. He's done so much great work with such a small team. I, I don't think it's really more than one or two people. So impressed. And uh, yeah, so I think there's currently a wait list for it, but you can still download the app. You just might not be able to use it right away. But I would highly recommend if you're interested in budgeting your money and keeping track of how your money is spent, get this app, copilot.money. So good. It is a fantastic app. Good find. Thanks, buddy. The, this find came to me, so it was yeah, an easy yeah. one. But it's finally out. I've been helping him for months, right? Right, like, right, yeah. Um, it's, so I'm happy to be able to announce it to the world. That's awesome. Cool. Well, that's it. That's the episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter, at Design Details FM. Tweet at us. Send us DMs, especially for the career progression and leveling conversation. Let us know what we missed. If you have any follow-up questions or questions that you've asked yourself that have been helpful, And we'll put all that in uh, next week's follow-up. Of course, thank you to Sarah and Drew, our editors and producers, for making this show possible. If you want to listen to more podcasts, Sarah and Drew also edit other shows on the Spec Network that exist at spec.fm. Those are podcasts for designers and developers just like you. So go check it out. That's at spec.fm. Otherwise, that's the episode, and we'll catch you next week. We did it. One year in the bag. One year down. 20 more to go. Looking forward to the next year, Brian. It's going to be fun. (laughs) Me too. Cool. All right, buddy. Bye.